Good morning, ladies. Well, when I told my husband that the two topics that I had to cover this year for lambs were submission and humility, he laughed and said, God knew what he was doing. And I thought, I could take this two ways. He surely meant that I'm so unerringly submissive and always humble that, of course, I would be the one to teach this lesson. But this morning, I realized to my shame that the only reason I'm nervous about teaching about humility is because I'm prideful. And I thought, yes, the Lord knew what he was doing and having me have to study and review and look at the topic of submission and humility this year. So in this text we're going to cover this morning, Peter reminds both the leaders and those being led, basically everyone, of the need for humility. So we're going to pray and then we're going to get into the text. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in our weakness you are made strong. We thank you that when we are um, prideful and when we sin, you are forgiving and you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from unrighteousness, Lord. We thank you that you don't treat us um, as our sins deserve, Lord, and we just recognize that you are good to us as um, as we have time together in your word this morning. I pray that we would look more like you uh, because of the time that we spend in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this text, we're going to look at today 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 6. And I know that this is our last lecture time this year, and we were going to be listening to a video. And if you got that link, she covered all the verses. So we're backing up just a little bit because the snow kind of threw us off a little. So today, we're just going to cover uh, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 6. It says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So Peter begins this last chapter of this first book of Peter uh, addressing the elders. And these are the guys that are in charge of the churches that are scattered throughout modern-day Turkey. These are the leaders who would walk through the suffering and the trials with their flock. They were the ones that were had to remind the people that these sufferings are there to remind you and to test you and to refine you. They were the ones to remind their group that you're not alone in your trials and in your suffering. And these, these elders, these leaders, they had, they had a pretty big role to fill. And so um, Peter says right away, I'm right there with you, as he says that he's a fellow elder. Um, so the first thing I want us to see is Peter's humility as he addresses the elders. And then we're going to see his humility as he talks about himself. And then we're going to see his humility and how he points to Christ. And you can follow along on your listening guide. And those are the first three blanks. Um, first, we see Peter's humility and the way he addresses the elders. In verse 1, he, it says that he exhorts or appeals or urges 
the elders to listen to what he says. He doesn't command them. He doesn't demand that they uh, follow what he says, but he gives them convincing reasons why what he says is a good idea. Um, and they pay attention to what he says because of the qualifications that he lists. And um, the reasons that he shows us why they should listen to him also show that he's humble in how he speaks about himself. And that first he says, I'm a fellow elder. You're not in this alone either. I'm right there with you. He doesn't exalt himself over them. He doesn't put himself on a higher playing uh, field than they're on. He says, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. And so um, you got to remember that Peter was arguably the leader of the disciples, not just one of the disciples, but he was one of the leaders. Um, he was the first to preach after Pentecost. He was the founder of the early church, and he worked miracles. But he doesn't list all those things as reasons why they should listen to him. He says, hey, I'm a fellow elder. And the next thing he says that shows his humility is um, he says, I was a witness to Christ's sufferings. And think about how this would just be a picture of Christ's humility. Imagine how hard it would be for Peter to remember the sufferings of Christ. That was when he himself denied Christ. And so um, Peter doesn't gloss over something that could have been seen as one of his failures because he knows that ultimately witnessing Christ's sufferings points to Christ's glory, not to Peter's glory. And so... um, I think it's also interesting that uh, he mentions that he witnessed Christ's glory. And soon thereafter, he says, shepherd God's flock that's among you. And so you think about what happened when Peter denied Christ. And then shortly thereafter, after the resurrection, Christ came back and he used that language of the sheep with the shepherd to reinstate and reaffirm his relationship with Peter when he tells Peter to feed his sheep. Jesus says, feed my sheep. And so Peter is using that same language. And I I imagine that as he was writing this to the elders, he was thinking about Christ and the language that Christ used. He's like, I witnessed his suffering. I failed but Christ was glorified, and Christ forgave me, and Christ reinstated me. Um, Peter was well, well aware that the flock that they were to look over and to care for was God's flock. They weren't Peter's flock. They weren't the elder's flock. They were God's flock, and they had just been given a charge to care for that. So that shows humility, I think, on Peter's flock, because not only does he speak of himself, but he points to Jesus in that. But between the reminder that he was a witness of Christ's suffering and the reminder for the elders to feed God's flock, he also mentions that he's going to partake in the glory that's going to be revealed. So Peter doesn't focus on his past actions or his present uh, accomplishments to get them to listen to him, but he does point to the future glory that he's going to one day have in heaven with Christ. And that puts all of his worldly accomplishments and accolades into proper perspective. And so before Peter gives the leaders the instructions that they're to follow, he reminds the elders, and I think he reminds himself, and I know that he reminds us as Um, believers who are now reading his letter of the humble position that we have in Christ because he was the one to take the punishment that we deserved. So we have a humble position uh, in light of Christ, but we also have a glorious position that we're one day going to have because of what Christ did. So there's this balance of the the low place and the high place being put together because of Christ. So in last week's, actually in week eight's lecture that Jen gave, 
Um, she said, our thoughts have to be corrected in order for our actions to come into line. She said it goes from the head to the heart to the hands. And so when we think about humility, we want to think about it um, in the right way. Peter, throughout his book, he talks about having a humble mind. And so our minds have to be thinking correctly um, about things before our actions will actually be humble. So... Um, Once their minds were correctly thinking about Christ, then he gave the leaders instructions about how to lead with humility. And the three ways that the leaders can show humility was, um, I think in your outline, I said three ways leaders can show humility. In mine, it says how not to lead. So I kind of needed to (laughs) measure those up. So Peter said um, not to lead under compulsion. The NIV says not to lead because you must and the King James says not to lead under constraint. So I thought, what are some reasons that people feel like they must lead? And this was one of your homework questions. I thought of three reasons. One is expectations. I've always done it, therefore I need to continue to do it because people expect it of me. Another reason people lead under compulsion is because of guilt. If I don't do it, nobody else is going to, so I guess I have to lead. But I think... Um, considering that Peter has been talking so much about humility, that one of the reasons that people feel the need um, to lead under compulsion is because I have to do it because nobody can do it as well as I can do it. And this is not just an inflated view of self, but it's also a low view of others. So, um, you know, if you ever find yourself thinking, well, this ministry just wouldn't happen if I'm not around, then you need to understand that that's not That's leading under compulsion, not necessarily leading willingly. And pride is the issue there. Um, To believe that you're the only one capable of doing it, um, that no one can do it uh, as well as you can do it, that you are so important that it won't happen is another way that you lead under compulsion. And I think about how Peter may have had personal experience with this. Um, Another time that Christ used the terminology of shepherd and sheep was right before he was betrayed and crucified. And he he said, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And that's when Peter, this is in Matthew 26, says, all the others will fall away because of you, but not me. You know, Peter felt like he was a little better than the other apostles. Everybody else, they're probably weak. And I remember Brian said it this way. Uh, He said, Peter probably said, and that wouldn't surprise me, Lord, if they all fell away. But I would never. And so I'm sure that that was the first instruction Peter gave to him because he's like, I had to learn this too. Um, But instead, the leader should lead willingly. And this word willingly, um, other places that it's used in the Bible, I thought this was beautiful, is in Exodus when they're building the tabernacle. And it's used of the skilled workers who were giving willingly their skills to build the tabernacle. And it's used in Chronicles about the free will offerings that people were giving to donate to make the um, temple. Uh, David was taking the collections and Solomon was going to build the temple. And that word willingly was used. And it said that um, in the Chronicles verse, it said the people were bringing more than enough, so much that they were restrained from having to bring more. So when you think of that is your attitude towards serving, not because I have to or because I'm so good, but man, what a blessing. I am overflowing with what God's done with me and I want to serve in that way. That's the picture of humble leadership that God wants us to have and how he wants us to lead as he would. So when you're asked to take a position of leadership, uh, consider what motivates you to take the leadership role. Is it your abilities being on display or being able to give to meet a need and be a blessing to others? 
Do you consider leading because it's an opportunity to serve God's flock and sacrifice for his glory? Would you do it if no one saw you doing it? Um, Do you see servant leadership as something you have to do or something you get to do? Those are questions to consider. The second thing, warning or instruction that Peter gives to them is to not lead for selfish gain. And again, I think Peter um, may have had some personal experience with this. You think he was right there with Judas. And we know that Judas was the one that kept the money for the disciples and would often benefit personally from holding on to that money. We see that in John 12. But also in Acts Five, Peter is the one to confront Ananias and Sapphira. And if you've not read their story, they sold um, some property and they kept back some of the money for themselves. And Peter confronted them about that. So Peter knows the temptation to take advantage of the material blessings that come with the position. And I think this also addresses an issue of pride because I think as leaders, um, pride would make some leaders rationalize that they deserve the benefits that they get from having a leadership position. And it would justify their own personal gains. But Peter says, that's not how, how you should lead in the church. Instead, you should lead eagerly. King James says, with a ready mind. And I think that implies a love for the work itself instead of a love for the reward that you get because of the work. So a humble leader is going to focus on the condition of the flock, Um, and the flock's comfort over their own personal comfort. Um, A godly leader is going to be eager to shepherd God's flock, eager to care for the needs of others before their own needs, either to protect the others before they look out for themselves. Um, And these instructions that Peter's given are in direct contrast to um, what the prophets talked about, the spiritual shepherds, Uh, In the Old Testament times, in Ezekiel 34, it uses that same terminology of the shepherds and their flocks. And this is what it says to the spiritual shepherds in the Old Testament time. It says, Ezekiel is prophesying against them. And he says, thus says the Lord, uh, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, and you slaughter the fat ones, but you don't feed the sheep. The weak you've not strengthened, the sick you've not healed, the injured you've not bound up, and the strayed you've not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And verse 12 says, As a shepherd seeks out his flock, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. Um, This instruction that Peter gives lines up beautifully with what Jesus said when he said, I am the good shepherd that lays down my life for the sheep. And that was the picture that Peter wanted the leaders to have of a leader that leads eagerly, not for their own personal gain, but for the good of the flock. So uh, when we take positions of leadership, do we do it for what we can gain or for what we can give? Do we do it for a love for the Lord that gave us uh, even the ability to lead? Or do we do it for... um, for unjust gain. And the last instruction he gives to the um, leaders is to not lead, not domineering, but as examples. So uh, the NIV says not lording it over, but one of my favorite translations is the contemporary English version, which says, don't be bossy. And I thought that was great. So domineering, it was how the Gentiles led um, the people under them. And, and Peter's saying, don't do it that way. That's another way that we see your pride. Um, Peter was, again, speaking from firsthand knowledge. In Galatians 2, we know that at one time, 
Peter, it says that he was forcing the Gentiles to follow the Jewish tradition. So he was domineering over them. And Paul had to come and confront him publicly. That's how bad it got for Peter. In Acts 15, we realized that Peter did submit to Paul's correction. And he changed that way. So Peter understood the temptation to lead in a domineering way. And he was like, man, I've had to learn from experience. So don't domineer. But instead, set an example. So the first warning he gives talks about not thinking so highly of yourself. This one might be, don't try to make everybody else think so highly of yourself. The second warning was don't serve for personal gain. This one is don't serve for personal glory, um, trying to dominate. Um, A humble leader will see his role as a partnership for mutual edification uh, with a common goal and like iron sharpening iron. Um, All of these instructions get to the heart of why you would even want to lead, and it challenges you to consider leading in a humble way. But after Peter gives the instructions on how to rule, he reminds them of the real leader, the chief shepherd. And uh, in my group, I said, I said, yes, yeah, kind of like one day daddy's coming home and you're going to have to give an account. But really, that's not how the text writes it. He's like, the chief shepherd's going to appear. And what's he going to do? He's going to give a crown of glory to those who are leading and serving well. So he's assuming they're going to do it in a, um, a way that's going to bring glory to Christ and will be rewarded one day. Um, I think it's also interesting that Peter could have, when he was giving the reasons why they should listen to him, he could have said, I was a witness to Christ's leadership. Let me show you how Christ lived. But he didn't do that. And I think it's because he wants us to see this balance um, and keep that suffering uh, in mind. He said uh, he was a witness to Christ's suffering, but he was also going to be a part of the future glory. Um, Leadership in this earth is going to be a costly position. It's going to require humility. It's not about personal glory. It's not about power or fame. It's not about temporal material gain. But humility is required in a godly leader because their responsibility is to serve willingly and to sacrifice eagerly and to point to and lift up Jesus Christ rather than self. But the rewards are going to be eternal. So when you think about leadership roles, you really need to think about it as roles of a servant. But humility is not just needed for leaders. It's needed for those who are under leadership. And um, he tells the youngers to be subject to the elders. And we've spent several weeks talking about submission. So we're not going um, to focus on that a lot this morning. But the elders are willingly giving themselves to serve. And he just reminds the younger people to make it easy for them and to show their humility by the way that they Um, submit to those leaders. But then he says, clothe yourselves, all of you. So no believer, no leader, no person under leader is exempt from this instruction. He says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Um, Peter has instructed the believers throughout the book to have a humble mind. And he modeled that in the first few verses of how He spoke to others, how he spoke of himself and how he pointed to Christ, how he had learned to have a humble mind. Um, And so when we think about how we can clothe ourselves with humility, the first thing we need to consider is, do we have a humble mind? Is our thinking right? Um, For example, when when I told Brian about what I was going to have to teach and he said God knew what he was doing, my first thought was to think, what is he saying about me? 
if my mind had been thinking correctly, my mind should have gone to, you're right, God always knows what he's doing. But no, I was thinking about me. What's he saying? He's saying I'm humble. No, he's saying God knows what he's doing. He's not even talking about me. And another way that I recognized that I had faulty thinking, when I realized I had to talk about, I got to talk about, I had the privilege to talk about humility, I thought, I've got great examples because the Lord has humbled me in many public ways. And then, but even throughout preparing for this lecture, I realized that's faulty thinking because my, um, let's see, how do I say this? My public displays of incoordination or lack of judgment really didn't humble me. In fact, they kept me talking about myself instead of focusing on the Lord. So when we think about how to clothe ourselves with humility, first of all, I want us to think about um, what humility is not. Uh, I want us to think about Romans 12 and the progression of those verses. Uh, it begins by challenging believers to be transformed by the renewing of their minds so that they know what God's will is. So that, again, it's the mind first, the mind, the heart, the hands, right? But then that chapter goes on to say, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Another translation says, think of yourself with sober judgment. So, Renew your mind, then think rightly about yourself. And that sounds a lot like First Peter, because in verse he talks about the actions and the mind being so linked together. In chapter 1, verse 13, he says, prepare your minds for action. In 4.1, when Leanne was teaching, we were talking about arming yourselves with the way you think. And so thoughts and actions go hand in hand. And so... Um, When you wake up in the morning, you think about how to clothe yourself. You don't wake up and put your clothes on right. The first thing you have to do is take off your pajamas before you can clothe yourself with something. So let's think about what we need to take off. The first thing we need to take off is faulty ideas about what humility is. So humility is not being embarrassed or ashamed or shamed. Humility is not self-depreciation. And it's not feeling sorry for yourself. Those are still ways of focusing on yourself. Um, Humility is not self-pity. Again, with that, you are still the center of your thought life, right? Humility and pride is the issue in that, in those those issues. Um, The root is pride. Humility is the opposite of pride. And that's why it says in verse 5, God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. And that word opposes is a battle term. And so when I think about that, God opposes the proud. Ladies, we don't want God to go to war against us. We do not want to be in battle against him. So that is a first clue to, you know, fight pride when it rears up his head. In leadership, we realized you can't, you can't generate humility in yourself, but you can fight against pride. And that's what we want to do, fight against pride, because God sure is going to be fighting against your pride. Humility is not having a soft voice or never speaking up. It's kind of the same issues you may have thought about with submission. A lot of them kind of overlap with the the humility issue as well. Um, So humility is not just being quiet and not saying anything, but humility is actually understanding that God has given you something to say, and you want to speak up for his glory, not your own, okay? Humility is not trying to draw attention to yourself, but promoting him. It's not being humiliated, but it is having your sin exposed and recognizing that Christ's blood covered that sin, and so you can walk in the freedom of forgiveness. Those are more accurate pictures of humility. Humility is understanding your insufficiency, but recognizing that God 
sufficiency through Christ meets that and fills it up. Okay? So God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when you think about clothing yourselves with humility, you want to think about having a humble mind, but then you want to think about um, the grace that God gives to the humble. God gives us grace, and grace is getting something that we don't deserve. So I put a little fill-in-the-blank on your outline that isn't a blank that I'm going to fill in. It's something that I want you to evaluate yourself, and you figure out what needs to go in this blank. Okay? And it says, humility, okay, let me go back to the Romans 12 verse. It goes from, from renewing your mind to thinking of yourself soberly, rightly. And the next thing it says in Romans 12 is, uh, think of yourself um, with sober judgment according to the measure of grace that God has given to you. So it talks about God giving grace, just like it does in this passage. And then the next thing it does in Romans 12 is it lists the spiritual gifts that you can use to serve others. So think about that and what we're learning in 1 Peter in this context. Humility is taking off the lie that something has to be perfect. That's thinking of yourself and choosing to do something to allow God to meet a person's needs through you. That's humility, okay? For example, Humility has taken off the lie that my house has to be perfect. That would be pride. And instead, choosing to invite someone over so that God can meet their need for fellowship through you. That's humility. You're thinking about what God can do through you. Okay? Humility would be taking off the lie that my cooking has to be perfect. And instead, uh, send someone a meal to allow God to meet another's physical needs through you. His grace is going to give you what you need to meet somebody else's need. It's not going to be your perfection. If it were, then that would be a source of pride, and God opposes the proud. So whatever it is, it could be my words. It could be that humility looks like taking off the lie that my words have to be perfect and speaking truth to someone, speaking love to someone, speaking encouragement to someone that needs to to be encouraged or challenged because God can use his grace in your life to do that for another person. So whatever it may be, think about the lie that makes you want to promote yourself and remember the truth that God's going to give you the grace so that he can be glorified through you to meet another person's needs. Um, Another thing you can do to test yourself for humility uh, is remember that a lot of times we think Self-pity might be humility, but that's not. It's focusing on yourself. And remember that um, without Christ, we might be weak or helpless or hurting or broken or lazy or greedy, but that's not who we are in Christ. If we think we're going to stay that way, that's focusing on self, and that's a sign of pride. But when you focus on what Christ can do through you, you realize that without him, I might be weak or hurt, but with him, I can be healed and helped, okay? So humility um, is focusing on Christ, not on self. With God, we have access to his grace through Christ, and we need to remember that. I'm sure you've heard it said, this is one of my favorite humility quotes, is humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. The way that we have a humble mind is keeping it focused on God. And the last point on the outline is that we need to be a witness of his glory and grace. Um, 
And the way that we can daily clothe ourselves with humility is reminding ourselves of what Christ has done through us. Peter begins his instructions to the elders saying that he was a witness to Christ's suffering. And yes, he was an eyewitness, but he was also a witness to the sufferings that Christ did for the rest of his life, telling the world the blessings that we receive because of the sufferings of Christ. So, not, so the witness um, has two meanings in that verse. And in Acts 1.8, we are also called to be his witnesses. So when you think about clothing yourselves with humility, a great way to do it is to be intentional about talking about Christ's goodness and his work in your life. Remind yourselves, remind others, testify to yourself, testify to others about what Christ is doing. And as you focus on God's work through Christ in your life, um, you're not going to feel so self-important, right? When we look at ourselves in light of Christ uh, and what he's done for us, it just puts everything else in perspective. Um, Remember, we are witnesses of his sufferings and that we've read about in his word. But one day we are also, like Peter, we're going to partake in his glory. Um, Verse 4 says, when the chief shepherd appears, we will receive the unfading crown of glory. And verse 6 says, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and at the proper time he may exalt us. Our pride wants to have the world exalt us. But I want us to consider Uh, to get rid of our pride and recognize that any accomplishment or success or achievement or any sacrifice that we make is going to pale in comparison to what Christ has done. But also, any achievement or recognition or award or praise that we receive here on earth is going to pale in comparison to the reward that we will one day receive in heaven. And so, clothe yourself with humility. Um, Ask yourself, do I believe that? Do I believe that the reward from Christ is going to be better than the rewards of this world? Do I, am I willing to wait for that reward? Or in my pride, am I wanting it here on earth? Um, ask yourself, would I rather have man exalt me or God? And questions like that will help you um, continue on a daily basis to clothe yourselves with humility when you think about those truths. So uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we wake up every morning looking in the mirror and seeing self, and we live with ourself, and we are so focused on ourselves, Father. I pray that you would break us of our pride. Lord, I pray that you would remind us the grace that is available for those who are humble. Father, I pray that you would remind us um, of the balance of um, the humility we have in light of your suffering for us, but the position we have because of the glory that you will one day give to us, Lord, and not think badly about ourselves, but, Lord, we pray that you will help us train our mind to think mightily, continuously, and constantly of you, Lord. And, Father, I pray that as we do that, Lord, that we would um, look like Jesus who being in the very uh, nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but took on the form of a servant and humbled himself. Lord, I pray that we would walk as Jesus did uh, in humility. In Jesus' name, amen.